Hey, everybody, thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message reaches you wherever you are at today in whatever situation you are facing. We pray that the Lord ministers to your life. Hang on till the end, and I want to say a couple more things to you before we're done. I want you to go ahead and stand, if you will. If you got your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. As Pastor Corbin did say, we're, we're devoting the last part of the service, the majority of the service. To, I'm not even going to preach a real long time. We want to have, this is an encounter Sunday. And we had people in the first service, I'm sure in this service, but I know in the first service people came specifically, I mean they don't even attend our church, they came just to have prayer for people to anoint them with oil and pray for them. So we're going to have plenty of time at the end to pray for things, we're going to put things on the cross, we're going to spend some time in the presence of God. But if you got your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. And just to let you know, we, we stand to honor the reading of God's Word. It's not just so that you can move around, so that you can, uh, don't go to sleep on my preaching. But we honor God's word around Landmark Church. Amen? We believe his word of God, the word of God is central to what we're doing. So we want to honor that today. 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Three of you are. Amen. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you, and your sons then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she came to her son bring me an, and said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Thank you that your word challenges us and changes us. And Father, today as we just sense your presence here with us, that Father, you are moving. That you came to heal. You came to set free. You came to set the captives free today and change lives and transform. And Father, I just pray by the power of your spirit that Father, people will leave here different. We're believing for miracles. We're a church that believes in signs and wonders. They're still for today. And Father, 2,000 years ago you did that, but you're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And so, Father, I just pray right now that we would feel your supernatural touch today. May we leave here different, changed, knowing that we've been with Jesus. We thank you for this time together. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Ghost and all God's people together said, Amen. Turn around and high-five somebody and tell, tell them I'm glad to see you, and you may be seated. The woman in our text today is facing an impossible situation. Her husband, now her deceased husband, was part of a group called the Sons of the Prophets. 
They weren't literally sons of the prophets. They were spiritual sons of Elijah and now Elisha. And Elijah and Elisha were mentoring them and would send them out. And they would prophesy and they were part of this group. And this woman was married to one of these men. And now she finds herself in a place where her husband is dead and they're in debt. The church takes good care of me here, but I want you to know, no matter what televangelist says, you don't get into ministry for the money, okay? About 90% of us don't. <laughs> and so here's a woman who has found herself in debt, and her husband's dead, and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door, and the knock at the door are the creditors. And the creditors tell her, you have two options, pay the money you owe us, or we're going to take these two boys of yours and we're going to work them until the debt is paid off. And she finds herself with her back against the wall. What do I do? I don't know what to do. I don't have a way to pay. She's a woman. In that society, she would not have been able to have the kind of job that would need to pay these debts. And she has no way out. And she doesn't know what to do. And I believe many times when we get to the place where our back is against the wall, for us it's a scary place. For us it's a difficult place. But I believe many times it's the right place. Place for us to cry out to God because we're in a place where we realize we can't do it in ourselves. If God doesn't come through, we're not going to make it through. And here's a woman who realizes if God doesn't help me, I don't know what I'm going to do. So she takes a bold move and she does what we've been preaching about the last few weeks. She says, you know what? I have no other choice. It doesn't matter. I don't know what's going to happen. I might as well go for it. And she ups her ask. She goes to the prophet and she says, you've got to help me. I don't know what to do, but you've got to help me. And I believe some of you walked in here today and maybe your situation does feel hopeless. Maybe you walked in here today and you feel like your back is against the wall. You've heard the reports. You've heard what others have said. You've seen what's going on around you. You know the mess that you're in right now. But I got good news for you. Whenever you begin to get to that place, but you learn to up your ask, we serve the kind of God that loves the impossible. Amen? I don't know if God operates like this, but I have a wild imagination. But I believe whenever we get in an impossible situation, I can see God up there just rubbing his hands, saying now this is the kind of thing I like to work in. This is the kind of situation I like to be a part of. And God works in impossible situations because the Bible says all things are possible to them that believe. Amen? And so she goes to the prophet and says, you got to help me. So the prophet asks her a question, what do you have? What's in your house? She said, well, I got a little bit of oil. I can sell it, make it a little bit of money. That's it. Just a little bit. And that's all I've got. And he said, bring it. Here's the thing that I love. Many times we think it's on us to see this miracle take place. We think it's on us. It's on what we can do. But let me let you know something today. If God does something miraculous for you, it is not because of what you can do. It is not because of what you bring to the table. It's because of everything God can do and what God can bring to the table. If the woman had said, you know what? I got $30,000 hidden out here somewhere. I just can't remember where it's at. Will you prophesy and remind me where my money is at and I will go and pay the editors guess what she could have paid it off and nobody would have got credit for it but her but God believed God got her to the place where the oil was small because God wanted to get the glory out of the situation and when we get ourselves in a place where we can't do everything but he can do everything and we learn to surrender in those moments listen to me when you are weak he is made strong when you realize you can't do it but you rely on him he can do it and he can come through in amazing ways. Amen? 
And so the, the prophet says to her, go get some vessels, go in the house, and pour the oil. And so there's three things that I believe helped her get a breakthrough. Number one was her obedience, was her obedience. He could have told her, hey, go do this. And if she said, that's crazy, I'm not going to do it, then nothing would have taken place. Her sons would have been taken from her, and she would have found herself in the same spot. She had a choice to make in the moment. In the moment, it didn't make any sense. I got this little jar of oil, and I got all these vessels. How is that going to make sense? And many times, obedience to God doesn't make sense. God, you want me to do this? I preached about it probably about a year ago from the same area of the Bible in Naaman. And God tells Naaman, go dip seven times in the river and he's thinking why did I have to come to Israel to do this I could have done this at home it makes no sense but when you step out in obedience even when it doesn't make sense I believe obedience can unlock your breakthrough I believe God is wanting you to obey and even when it doesn't make sense you've got to take that step of faith amen I told you this story on a Wednesday night. You can go back and watch. It's a really long story. I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but it fits in on Sunday, and many of you haven't heard it. So you can go back and watch the whole story if you want a few weeks ago. <clears throat> but I went about a month ago maybe to Montana on a fishing trip, and um, I got we got put in these boats. It was one of those things where uh, Hope Center, we went with Hope Center. They, they helped with some pastors and leaders and just took us up there and said, if you can get here, we'll take care of some things just to thank you guys. And so we go on this fishing trip. Me and Daniel is here. We were, we were in a boat together. And we're out here, and they, they had guides for us. So I'm on this river with a guide, and his name was Eddie. And um, we found out later Eddie was the best guide on the river. But we also found out Eddie liked to whip you into shape quickly, and he had a mouth on him. So he was literally screaming at us and sometimes cursing. And yelling. And he said, throw the fly rod out there. Now, I've, I've, I, I, my uncle that was here, his best friend, um, we went to the mountains one time. And he, like, took me out and said, here, try this fly fishing. Like, so, like, th two times to try to cast it out. I didn't know what I was doing. So I've never really fly fished before. And so I get up there, and Eddie would say, do this. And he said, guys, y'all were late getting here. I'm usually already two hours on the, on the river teaching people. So I got to get you into shape very quickly. And so he's like, try this and do this. And the first time I do it, he screams at me, Justin, what are you doing? Are you not listening to anything that I said? And he grabs the rod out of my hand. Now listen, I had a choice in that moment. In that moment, part of me, my flesh, wanted to buck up and, and as a man and say, don't you ever talk to me like that. But I'm glad I did the opposite. I started laughing. And the more he screamed, the more I laughed. He would scream curse words and I would laugh. But here's what happened. After we calmed, I mean, it wasn't like he got, like, after he, he never calmed down. He did it the whole time, actually. But... But he, he told us later when it was calm, he goes, guys, I had to, I had a short amount of time. And he said, the drill sergeant in me came out because I had to get you ready to go in a short amount of time. And he would say, throw this fly rod over here. And, and here's the thing, I wasn't perfect at it because I would do it and he'd say, well, I guess that's good enough. So, I mean, obviously I wasn't perfect at it. But he would say, throw it over here. And if we would do exactly what he told us to do, we began to catch fish. There was about nine boats out there. I think the people that caught the most, boat beside, most fish besides us, they might have caught five or six. We caught 12 each that day. Twelve fish 
we got the most fish. And here's the reason. It wasn't because of anything I did or Daniel did. I mean, we did throw it out there, but it was because we had a guide. And the guide said, do this. And when I listened and obeyed, I could have gotten my feelings. And I could have said, you're not going to talk to me that way. You're not going to do this. And I could have got all upset about everything. But instead, I began to listen and obey. And when I listened and obeyed and did what he said, we had results. And here's the problem. Many of us think we can handle it on our own. Well, God, I'll, I'll call on you when I really need something. I'll call on you whenever I'm desperate. But listen to me. If you will begin to listen to the voice of God, stop getting in your feelings all the time, and you begin to listen and obey and trust Him, He will begin to take you down the right path. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. And if you want to break through in your life, you've got to learn to obey. You've got to learn to listen and step out in faith even when it doesn't make sense. Amen? Number two, he says this. He says, Go and borrow some vessels. Go, go ask people for some vessels. Can you imagine sitting there and you're just sitting in your house and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door and a lady, maybe her sons, are saying, excuse me, do you have any empty vessels in the house? Well, yeah, what do you need them for? We don't know. The prophet said, just grab them. Like, what are you talking about? Just give us all the vessels. And they begin to collect vessels. He says, go to your neighbors. Here's the reason why. I think this is very important. Is because I believe that many times God involves other people in our miracles. I believe God allows other people to be part of the miracles he wants to do in our heart. You are not created to do life by yourself. You are not created. You are No man is an island, John Donne said, until himself. Wrote the book, No Man is an Island Unto Himself. You are not created to be by yourself. You are created to be in relationship and community. And I believe many times our miracles rely on other people being a part of that. I know I use this scripture a lot. I use it just Wednesday night. But it's out of Mark chapter 2. And the Bible says whenever they lower the man down from the roof, Jesus said when he saw their faith, he said, son, your sins be forgiven. When he saw their faith. And I want you to know there are times in my life my faith is weak. But I'm so glad all I need is a mustard seed. But that might be all I have. And you know what? I don't feel like praying. I know that's, that's I know as you super spiritual people, you don't like the preacher saying that. But there's sometimes I don't feel like it. I don't have the faith. I, Lord, I don't know. And I'm so glad God has grace and mercy even whenever I don't feel it but here's the thing I need the kind of people in my life that can drag me to Jesus when I can't get there I need the kind of people in my life that are going to lay hands on me and pray for me when my faith is weak their faith is stronger because they are alongside and when their faith is weak my faith will be stronger in that moment and I believe what this woman needed was some help from people around her and I want to tell you this today some of you stubborn folks you don't look to your right to your left right now or you gonna have a fight on the way home okay you look straight ahead look at this preacher but to you stubborn folks stop trying to do it all yourself stop trying to do it all yourself God created you number one he created you to need him you can't do it you can't fix it it's not possible he created you to need him but he also created you to need others. In a few moments, when we get ready to pray in a little while, we're going to have prayer people down here. We're going to let you put things on the cross that you want to or pray by yourself. But I encourage you to find somebody to pray because I believe there is something about our prayers coming together. And listen to me, there are times in our life, and I know we are people that we have pride and we just don't want to ask for help. But I'm telling you this, whenever you get to the place where you realize I need God to help me and I need people to help me, there will be a breakthrough that happens in your life in that moment because you begin 
began to realize, I can't do it by myself. And God created this miracle for this woman to need her neighbors to receive the miracle that she needed. Amen? <clears throat> and then number three, I love this part. It says, Elisha told her, gather vessels, but not a few. Don't just get a few of them. And that's very important. Because here's what happens. All of a sudden, she gets all the vessels they can find. She's inside with a jar of oil. Her, her sons are out there. They shut the door, and she says, bring me a vessel. She, he bring, the, the son brings her a vessel. She puts it down. She begins to pour the oil. The oil never ceases. It fills up the vessel. The next vessel shows up. She fills it up. The next one, the next one, the next one. She keeps filling it up until she finally looks at her sons and says, bring me another vessel. And they say, that's all we've got. And then, listen to this, the Bible says, and the oil ceased. The moment that she got to the capacity of where, what she could handle, the oil ran out. If she had two vessels, the oil would have ran out after two vessels. If she had whatever amount she had, but if she had had less than that, she would have got a smaller miracle. And I want you to know today, I believe that God not only wants you to up your ask and what you're believing God for, but I believe he wants to up your capacity so that you can receive more. God wants to stretch you and enlarge you so that you can receive more from him. Years ago, we were at our old location down here on 3rd and Apache, and we were at a place that had about 65, 70 people, and the church could hold about 120 if everybody sucked their gut in on the pews and sat as close as they could. And that was with an overflow room. And so, but I remember, I'll never forget, I was driving back from a conference in Plano, Texas. And I'm driving down, I know this is going to surprise some of you, but I-35 was being worked on at that time, okay? I've been here 24 years, and there ain't been a minute that I-35 wasn't being worked on somewhere in the state of Oklahoma. And so I'm driving, and, and this is kind of funny because the Lord's trying to talk to me, and I'm driving, and I'm the kind that if I'm not careful, if I get distracted, you know, I can, I can kind of weave on the road or whatever. So I'm like, I'm driving, and I'm in between um, a concrete barrier and these, you know, plastic cones, and I'm trying to just, I mean, hold on, and the Lord's literally talking to me. And I'm like, Lord, could you wait just till we get right past there because I'm scared I'm going to, no, I didn't say that actually, but here, here's what the Lord spoke to me in the moment and said, I'll never forget it. The Lord spoke to me and he said, you've taken the church as far as you can by yourself. Structure for growth. Structure for growth. And I knew he wasn't just talking about a building. It would be about two years before we actually moved into this building. He wasn't talking about a building. He was talking about my capacity. Because in that moment, I was trying to do everything by myself. I wasn't asking anybody for help. I wasn't relying on everything. Matter of fact, we went two years where I... Uh, helped teach a Sunday school class, one of them, for a little while, new believers. I led the music. Talking about two years of having to listen to me sing. I don't know how the church even survived, but we did. I, I, led, I did all this stuff. I preached. I closed the service. It was the Justin show, and it was the wrong show. That was not what God created and God intended. Other people had gifts and callings, but because I was trying to do everything, they were not being released in their gifts and callings. And I couldn't, I didn't have the capacity to know what to do. And God Excuse me, God had to grow me. God had to change me. God had to help me so that I could up my capacity. And whenever I was able to release some things and say, you're gifted at this, you do this, you're gifted at this, you go do this. When we began to structure ourselves for growth, then God began to give us people. But God never gave us the people because he knew if I give you a harvest, it will spoil, it will rot on the vine because you can't handle it. You don't have the capacity to handle it. And it wasn't just the building, it was in me. And I want you 
to know, I believe God wants to give you a breakthrough, but you've got to up your capacity to be able to handle it. You've got to be able to get to the place where you say, God, if you bless me, I'll do the right thing with it. Some people, God doesn't bless them financially because he knows you're going to go up here to never win and blow that stuff. He knows you're going to go up here and just ruin what he tries to give you because you want to get more out of it instead of being thankful for the blessing that he's already given you. God knows I'll give you a blessing, but you'll let it spoil. You'll let it rot on the vine. You won't do anything with it. But Isaiah, God says, enlarge thy territory. Open up the stakes. Pull up the stakes. Enlarge the tent because I want to burst things out on the right and on the left. I want to see God do some amazing things in our lives and in our hearts but we've got to have the capacity to be able to handle it. And this woman, if she had just done a little bit, she would have got a little miracle. But Elijah, Elisha looks at her and Elisha says, gather the vessels and don't just get a few of them because God wants to give you a major blessing. Amen? It reminds me of another story of Elisha when he's on his deathbed and the king comes to him and they're, they're fighting Syria and, he, and the king's scared because... Elisha's been his secret weapon. He's the one that's told him what to do. He's been the one that, you know, should I go against this king? Should I not? And Elisha's on his deathbed. Elisha says, shoot an arrow out the window. And he shoots an arrow and he goes, God's going to give you victory over Syria. And then he says, grab the arrows and strike the ground. And the Bible says that the king just hits him three times. Boom, boom, boom. And Elisha gets angry. And Elisha said, if you had struck the ground like you should have, with some passion, with realizing that God wants to do this, then God would have allowed the, for you to overtake them. But because you barely did anything, then you're not going to get the battle that you could have received. And here's what I love about the miracle that we see here. God blesses this woman. Back to what I said a minute ago, he blesses her so much that the Bible says whenever he blesses her, that ever he, the Elisha tells her, go sell it. But then he gives her instructions. Pay your debts off and live on the rest. In other words, God didn't bless you so you can waste it. Go pay your debts. Go do what you're supposed to do with it. But then live on the rest. And I believe God wants to up your capacity where what you're receiving is not just enough to get through. Some people just want to merely make it through. Listen to me. I believe God wants to meet your needs according to His riches in glory. That we serve the kind of God who has more than we could ever imagine. The Bible says He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And in the Justin Blankenship translation, He also owns the potatoes underneath. You understand that? That He owns all of these things and He can meet our needs according to his riches not my riches according to his riches and when I begin to trust him God can give me enough to pay off the debt but then live on because God tells this woman I want to make sure you're taken care of but you've got to handle what I give you if you can't handle it you will squander it and I want you to know today you need to begin to position yourself to receive the miracle God has for you so when he blesses you you can handle it and your capacity is there to be able to handle Handle the miracle in your life. Amen. Will the worship team join me? I want to read to you one final scripture out of the book of Zechariah. I was in my, in my devotions this week and I came upon the scripture. And I just felt like um, it tied into the end of the message today. Let me set this up for you very quickly. Everybody look right here. Let me just set this, this passage up. In, in the book of Zechariah, over, over time, 
God has been prophesying to the children of Israel. Number one, he tells them, you're going to go into captivity. And they do. And, and then through like Jeremiah, Jeremiah tells them, you're going to be there 70 years. And whenever you, after 70 years, you'll come out of captivity. So this is actually when they're coming out of captivity. This is the end of that. They're, they're, they're getting ready to go back and build the temple. And they're going to build it, and there's going to be this capstone on the top. It's going to be the thing, that, the final laying of it. But in their minds, they can't see it. In their minds, they're thinking, because all they can see is what was at one time. Some of these people, not all of them, but some of them had seen the temple of Solomon. Some of them had seen how beautiful Solomon's temple was. And all they're thinking is, we'll never have that. And what God was trying to get them to realize is, you might not have that, but you know what you're going to have that's more important? You're going to have my, my presence and my glory. And you're going to have a temple to worship. And so in this moment, Zechariah is given a vision of lampstands. And if you understand the Jewish culture, um, that would have been something he would have understood. But he couldn't recognize what they were. And so in verse 5, the angel who talked to me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Verse 6, then he answered and spoke to me and he said, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. So he tells Zechariah, you go tell Zerubbabel this. Zerubbabel is questioning, how is this going to happen? It doesn't make sense on paper. It doesn't make sense. We can't do it. We can't build the temple. We can't physically make it happen. And here's what God says. You're right. It's not by might and it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 7, who art thou, a great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. What God wanted to tell, Zep uh, tell Zerubbabel through Zechariah, what God was saying was this, you go tell him, it is not by your might and it's not by your power it's going to happen, but it's by my spirit. And right now, it looks like a mountain in front of you. But I got good news for you, Zerubbabel. Who are you, great mountain, that you should not be made low? You're going to be made a plain great mountain. And it's going to happen one way. When the capstone is laid, they are going to be yelling, grace. Grace. I want you to know this morning, some of you walked in here like you were up against something and you feel like there is a mountain in front of you. You feel like there are things in front of you that you will never walk through, that you can never make it. And I want you to know this morning, in your own strength, you can't make it. You're facing something that looks like it is impossible. And in the natural, it's right. But I want you to know this morning, no matter what's been said to you, no matter what's been done to you, no matter what's in front of you, the good news is it is not by your strength, but it's by one thing, grace, grace. It is the capstone. What puts that together is God's grace. If God heals you, it's because of His grace. If God sets you free, it's because of His grace. If God restores things, it's because of His grace. If God gives you that job you've been looking for, it's because of His grace. If God brings you that person you've been praying for, it's because of His grace. It will never be because of your goodness or your, what you can do. It will be because of grace, grace. And the grace of God is so good that he takes what looks like mountains in front of us. And when he's done, they're brought low. They're, they're made a plain. I'm up against this mountain, I can't make it, but now all of a sudden it's a smooth place to walk. Because God took the mountain in 
front of me. And this morning, some of you have mountains, physical ailments in your body, and God wants to bring them down to plain. Some of you have mountains today of things you're facing financially, decisions you have to make, things that you're up against. You have a mountain of addiction that has claimed your life for too long. You have mountains in your life that you say, I don't know how I'm going to operate, but the word of the Lord is this. If you will begin to obey and step out, if you'll begin to listen and trust Him, if you'll say, you know what, I need some brothers and sisters in my life to help me, pray with me about this, and we're going to believe God together, and then I'm going to up my capacity where I can handle what God wants to bless me with. You know what, now, then all of a sudden, I begin to step out in the impossible, and I begin to see God move, and I believe right now, God is helping some of you for faith to rise in your heart. I believe some of you right now, you're going to begin to believe God. You've tried it before and you know what if you're being honest you you prayed and you didn't get the answer you wanted and it's easy to get discouraged it's easy to say well that didn't happen but listen to me all I know is this even on the most difficult days of our life God is still good and even whenever I, I love the three Hebrew boys my favorite one of my favorite stories for this reason I love this language oh king we're not gonna bow because we believe if you throw us in the furnace that our God will bring us out. But you know what? No matter what happens, we're still not going to bow. We're not going to quit. E- even if God doesn't come through like we think, it's Job saying, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It's learning to say, I'm going to listen and obey, and I'm going to trust the Lord, and I'm going to step out in faith and believe him for the impossible. Would you stand to your feet with the prayer people? Please come forward quickly. Hey everybody, thank you so much. We are so honored that you chose to join us today for this message. And our prayer is for you and your family that you would be uplifted and encouraged. If today you receive Christ or if you would like to give to the vision of Landmark Church, if you would go to our website, www.landmarkchurchok.com, there's more information there, how you can do all of that. And also if you have a prayer request, please let us know how we can be praying for you guys. We love you and hope you have a blessed time.